Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Friends and family, good morning. I was trying to think on how to open that. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite authors and speakers. She always starts off her videos. She's like, "Morning saints and ain'ts," and I was like, "Do I want to say that?" Some, I don't want to say that. But we're all family, amen? amen. Amen. If you've placed your trust and confidence in Jesus, then we, then you are, you have joined the family of God, amen. amen. And that family stretches not just from. Parker's Crossroads to Southside, but it stretches from Tennessee all the way to China, from China all the way to Australia, to Australia all the way to the even most remotest, remote parts of the earth. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. And what a, what a great family to be a part of. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Look at somebody near you say, I'm so happy that you were here. You got to mean it when you say it, too. Somebody's like, Lindsay, you always say that. Are you really happy? Yes, I'm very happy that you were here. <laughs> Bless Kellen's heart as he's getting older. I'll tell him, like, buddy, I'm so happy that you're with me. Like, he'll just smile, be bashful. I'm happy too, Dad. I'm like, you don't get it, buddy. Daddy's really happy you're here. And so is the Father. Our Heavenly Father is happy that you are on this earth. Amen. We've read it before, but in Revelations, I think it, yeah, I'm not going to quote it real quick, but in Revelations, there's a scripture where it literally says that your existence brings the Father pleasure. Amen? Amen. Your existence brings the Father pleasure. So anytime you are doubting yourself, anytime that you are insecure, anytime you are just full of regret, having a day where you're full of regret, remind yourself, no, 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 my existence brings God pleasure. Amen? We've been in this series called The Body. This is our last Sunday in it. And within the body, we've been talking about the body of Christ. We've been talking about the fivefold ministry. We've been talking about the grace gifts, how God has given the fivefold ministry, the, the apostle, excuse me, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. And we've been, we've been, uh, we've been reconstructing. And when I say that, we've been looking at the, at the full word of God, not just the way we've always known it, not just the way we grew up, not just the way somebody else does it, but we've been looking and, and digging deep into the word of God to see, okay, when Jesus gave us this, when the Father gave us this, when he gave us these gifts, how did he intend for us to use them, amen? amen. You know, last time I checked, nobody's ever taken a vacuum cleaner and used it to, uh, to mow the grass, you know why? Because it was never intended to mow the grass. It was intended just to pick up the dirt inside the house. I remember as a kid, you know, vacuum cleaners, they, they weren't what they are now when back in the 90s. But I remember one time, you know, mom told me to, uh, to, to sweep up something in the kitchen. And my little smart self thought, oh, okay, uh, you know what? All she said was just to get the dirt up. You know, even though mom wanted me to sweep it with the dustpan, I'm like, the vacuum cleaner is going to be so much quicker because I get that done, then go right back to watching my cartoons. And I remember taking the vacuum cleaner, plug it up, and it did not do the job that a broom would do on that type of surface. And I remember being so disappointed, and I spent more time having to re-clean when I could have just did it the right way with the right intentions. And I say that to say all this, when it comes to the apostle, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, 
and the prophet, God has, an, he has a specific purpose in mind when he gave his people that. Amen. And we want to make sure that we are operating in it. We want to make sure that we're using it to the fullest. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, we're going to be Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't, it's all good. We'll put it on the screen. Somebody say the body. The body. So in chapter 4, Paul says in verse 11, he says, and you know what? If, if it's okay, let, 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 let's, let's take it back for a little bit. Let's, let's all read together. So if, if you want to, you can look at the screen, or if you have it on your phone, or if you have it pulled up on your Bible, whatever it is. But verse 11 says this, And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. Verse 12, And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry, and as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but there's a little power with that. Do you know why? Do you know why? I'll tell you why. This ain't in the notes because you just read the living word of God. Amen. You just read the living word of God. So we got multiple things that are happening right now. The Bible says when two or three are gathered together that believe in Jesus, what happens? He is in the midst. So we got that going. That's what's working in the room right now. Also, number two, you just read the living word of God. The word of God is not dead. The word of God is not buried. The word of God is not dated. The word of God is not, is not a thing of the days of old. The word of God is alive. Amen. Amen. Alive and well. Alive and well. Still today, the, the book that holds the world record of the, uh, the most books ever sold is the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Amen. The B-I-B-L-E. Amen. I remember we used to sing that as a kid. B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. It's the word of God. B-I-B-L-E. Woo! <laughs> uh, lyrics were never my great, my strong suit. That's why I'm here, Kelsey. Kelsey's a lyrical miracle. There it is. Stand up. See, you can preach that. Stand up on the word of God. But I love it because Paul said what we just read in 11 through 13. We don't have to reread it, but I'm just going to kind of run through it real quick. But I love it because in verse 12, he said, and their calling is to nurture and prepare the holy believers to do their own work of the ministry. So the purpose of the apostle, the purpose of the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, the purpose God has given these gifts for this purpose, which is to nurture and prepare all. Somebody say all. all. So that means everybody. At the end of the day, God wants everybody serving, loving and serving others. Because that's what ministry is. Ministry literally is loving and serving others as yourself. You know, uh, Brother Norman Mazzona used to say it all the time. You know, how do you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. You know, I, I, you know, I said it last week, but to add another definition of ministry is to love and serve others just as yourself. I mean, that's the golden rule. If you ask the boys, what's the golden rule? To love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus wants us loving and serving others as ourselves. So, therefore, the way you would treat yourself, that's the same way you're going to treat somebody else. Or my favorite is the things that you wouldn't do, you don't encourage somebody else to do. 
You know, we all we all get those. You know, you, if you ever been in a group assignment, I remember being as a kid. I don't know why this particular memory sits out, but I remember in fifth grade one time. And uh, in science class, we had this big project. And I was never a big science person. I, I just didn't really like science. I mean, I loved watching Bill Nye, but when it came time to do the lessons in class, I didn't like it. I remember they put the teacher, she put us in this big group. It was about 10 of us, which I don't know how she made it alive, you know, without breaking out of stress or whatever. But it was 10 of us. And I remember thinking, hmm, I really don't want to do this. But I know I got to do my part. So then I'm like, I started looking at all the, all the recommendations, not even recommendations, but the requirements of what it took to get this one project done. So then I decided to facilitate. I'm like, hey, hey, uh, so man, you do so good at this. Why, why don't you, do you think you want to do this part right here? I, I didn't think I did really good at that. You think, yeah, man, you do that. And by the time, time 10 minutes into it, I had all, all the, all the, uh, rec all the recommendation, not re recommendation, all the requirements assigned to everybody else. And I just got to sit back on the easy street. I was like, all right, here we go. I, and I remember the teacher come around. Now, Lindsay, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm, I'm facilitating and managing. <laughs> I said, I, you know, I just want to make sure that this project's going to get done. And she's like, well, uh, okay, just make sure you, you know, I say, oh, yeah, yeah, my, I'll make sure my, my stamp is all over this. But I love it because ultimately the whole purpose of God giving us the grace gifts is for everybody to do their own work in the ministry, for everybody to be loving, for everybody to be serving. It's not just the pastor's responsibility to love your neighbor. It's not just the apostle's responsibility to pray for your coworker that you don't like. It's not just the pastor's responsibility to go to the hospital and pray for your loved one. Yes, these are great things to have, but ultimately, God has put it on who? The person you see in the mirror. If somebody in your family is sick, yes, you can call a pastor and have them pray for them, but also the same spirit that's in the pastor, same spirit that's in T.D. Jakes, same spirit that's in Joel Osteen, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you. Doesn't just sit on a shelf in you. It lives in you. It lives in you. It lives in you. So many times we wait on everybody else to do the job that God has asked you to do. We wait on everybody else. Well, you know, I, I, I called this person and then they, they said they come. Okay, well, while, while they're on their way, I'm going to put my hands on the situation. And I'm allowed the spirit of God to flow through me to this situation. Amen. Nothing wrong with getting multiple people to agree with you. But why wait when the spirit of God is in you? Why wait when it's through him we live and move and have our what? Being. Why wait? I'll give you an example of not waiting. I remember my, uh, my first day working at my high school job. And I remember mom and granny and Drea, little Drea back then, uh, they were out of town on a church conference. So, but I had already, I just got my license. So, or just got my learn, yeah, learners or license. Yeah, license, just got my license. And, but I didn't have a vehicle. Dad was at work. So, you know, he sent one of his buddies to pick me up and bring me back to AutoZone. I remember, and uh, you know, I'm just sitting around, sitting around, you know, AutoZone. And I could have just been the, I could have just been content with, you know, just sitting there and waiting for dad to get off. But I'm like, why wait to go home? When I have my license, I'm like, hey, dad, like I can drive home. And he's like, let me think about it. And, you know, he does, works a few other customers. And, and, you know, but why wait for him to think about it when I could just, you know, strolly, you know, walk through the store and be like, oh, oh dad, hey, dad, I didn't see you over there. Have you ever been in Arizona? It's a small store, so, you, you know, you can't help but bump into each other. 
And, you know, just, you know, hopefully my presence would remind him of what he's supposed to be thinking about. And eventually, finally, he, he said, Lindsay, come here. So I come over the counter. I knew. I was like, all right, here we go, Lord. Here we go. He gave me the keys, and he gave me instructions on what not to do. He said, he said, at this, I get off at this time. I want you back here. And I said, yes, sir, I'll be back. I promise. You know, and uh, I tried to be all cool and calm as I walked out of the store. Just in, inwardly, I was leaping for joy. I was like, whoo, here we go. We're about to go. But yeah, I, can't, I can't do that in the physical world because then he's like, no, no, give me the keys. You're ready. So as I'm walking out the store, I had to just, you know, open the door. And I knew he was watching, so I closed it right and buckled up and, you know, did all this stuff. And, I, you know, I did a full 360. Most of the time people, when you, whenever you're checking to see if you can pull out, you're not going to fully do all that. But me, I was, I was being extra with that. I was letting him know. I'm, I'm paying attention. I promise. Why wait? If I, if I had the knowledge, why wait for somebody else when I know what I need to do? Why wait uh, for somebody else to, to, to co-sign on what God's already called you to do? Amen? Somebody say, why wait? Why wait? I love that. So, so here's what happens when, when, the, when, the, when the grace gifts are working in the, in the right space or with the right intention. Verse 13, Paul said, or not even verse 13, it's still in verse 12. It says right after the word ministry, it says, and as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. But not just the, the, not just the apostle, the pastor, prophet, evangelist, and teacher, but also every holy believer. Because Paul said that uh, the, the, the grace gifts they are nurturing are calling and preparing us to do the works of the ministry. And as we're doing the works of the ministry, if we're all doing it, if we're all loving our neighbor, if we're all serving our neighbor as ourselves, then what's going to happen? The body of Christ is being built and it's being enlarged. It's growing. The kingdom of God is advancing. Remember we talked about it before, but that if we're not advancing the kingdom of God, what are we doing? If we're not advancing the kingdom of God, if we're not pointing people to Jesus, if we're not introducing people to Jesus, then what are we doing with, with, the, with the grace that God has given us? Amen? I love it because even though in the list, a lot of times as human beings, we love to prioritize and we love to list things. But even in this list, even though the teacher is listed last, doesn't mean that it's the least. Amen? Doesn't mean that it's the least. Because, see, the gift of the teacher is the real gift to ignite instruction through revelation knowledge. The real gift of the teacher is to ignite instruction through revelation knowledge. Through revelation knowledge. I've said it before, but there's two type of teachers in the world of education. There's two type of teachers in the world of education. There's the teacher that solely focuses on memorization. And there's nothing wrong with that, those type. I've, I've been under those type of teachers. But then there's the type of teacher that focuses on leading his or her students to a point of discovery. And we learn, we learn more when we are led to a point of discovery. Amen. We learn more, more when we're led to a point of discovery. You know, one of my, uh, one of, you know, uh, Jesus, for example, Jesus was very big on this. But one of, my, uh, one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite movies is Field of Dreams. Has anybody ever seen Field of Dreams? It's, it's an oldie but goodie. And I love Field of Dreams. It's got one of my favorite actors in there, Kevin Costner. And his character that he plays, the character that he plays, his, uh, the name is Ray Kinsella. And, you know, every, every time I watch this, people can always debate me on it. But every time I watch Field of Dreams, I always think about the gospel. 
I'm, I'm explain it to you. If you've ever seen it, you've probably like, Lindsay, I don't know if the gospel's in it, but there's there's gospel elements in the field of dreams. And I love it because Ray, uh, the Kevin Costner's character, Ray, he, he operates in all five of the ministry gifts. He operates at, at some point in the movie, he oper- operates as an apostle, an evangelist, a teacher, a preacher, a pastor, all this. I love it because Ultimately, let me let's 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 break this movie down. If spoiler alert, if you've never seen it, it's been out for at least two decades. So if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, but still, I love it because there's a point in the movie where Ray, the main character, he walks as an apostle because he hears a message from a voice that tells him, "If you build it, they will come." Has anybody ever heard that famous phrase? "If you build it, they will come." You know, if you've ever seen the the movie where literally all the players come out of the cornfield to play this baseball, if you build it, they will come. Ray, he acts as he operates in the apostle realm because he hears this voice that tells him, if you build it, they will come. So he knows that whatever he's doing, he's got to build this very thing. So instead of him putting his hands to the plow, he goes and recruits. I love that. Instead of him taking the mandate and mission upon himself, he says, okay, I hear this voice telling me I have this mission, but I know I can't do it by myself. See, a lot of times when God is speaking to us, instantly we take it upon ourselves. All right, Lord, you told, you've called me to this. you called me to that. All right, so let me go start sweating and make it happen. Versus, okay, Lord, if you've called me to do this, is there anybody else that's supposed to come alongside and help me get it done? There's a scripture in the book of Acts, we won't go to it, but it's one of my favorites, where literally right before Paul goes to Rome and preaches to Caesar, literally the prophet prophesies to him the night before, says, hey, you will, you will, God is going to prepare the boat for you to travel on, but also not only will he prepare the boat, he's going to put the right type of people in the boat with you to get you there. There's people that are supposed to be in your boat to get you to where God is wanting you to go. You're not called to do a solo trip. Your last name ain't Solo, and this ain't Star Wars, okay? You are not called to do a solo trip for God. Amen? Hallelujah. So I love this because literally uh, what Ray does, he hears the voice telling him, if you build it, they'll come. So then he goes and recruits. But not only does he recruit just any, you know, anybody off the street, the voice leads him to find this specific author named Terrence Mann, played by James Earl Jones. We all know who James Earl Jones is. Man. That's, I, I, yeah, I just love his voice. <laughs> Woo, it's nice. But James Earl Jones plays the, 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 the character by Terrence Mann or plays Terrence Mann. And Ray is able to win over Terrence by only saying what the voice told him to say. And that's the office of the prophet. He, uh, Ray doesn't say anything else outside of the lines. He literally says whatever the voice tells him to say. And it was enough for Terrence to be like, nobody's ever, I've never told that personal stuff to anybody. How did you know that? And he's like, hey, this thing that's leading me to you. And instantly Terrence is hooked. I love it because that's an example of the prophet. Now, Ray and Terrence, they, they don't go set up a school and teach how to do these things. They don't set up a Zoom link. They don't set up a class. They don't give out uh, uh, five PowerPoint books or instructional books. No, what they do is they go and start to build this baseball field. And when they start to build this baseball field through Ray's passion, because when they, when they started to build this baseball field, the community had, had literally threw, cast them aside. And literally the, the property that they was building on, it was going bankrupt, and it was about to be uh, listed for auction on, in a foreclosure. His family had tossed him aside. His wife was still sticking strong to him. His kid was believing him, but everybody else was discrediting him and discounting him and throwing him out. 
But through the movie, just spoiler, through the movie, it was his passion and commitment to do what the voice told him to do. But it, what happened was because he would not give up, because he would not fold, his passion led people to a point of discovery. To where they discovered, hey, what, what, who, who's that on the baseball? And he's like, they've been here the whole time. And it's like, I love it because in the movie, you just see everybody's eyes open, almost like in, almost like when Jesus, or not even Jesus, almost when Paul talks about, uh, Lord, let their spiritual eyes open. But I love it because in the movie, literally, they get to see the big picture. And the reason they see the big picture is not because uh, the main character set up a class and said, okay, this is the big picture. Let's do five PowerPoints and an instructional guide on how to see. No, they saw the big picture through the passion of the main characters. Listen, Jesus said it best. People will know him through what? The love that we show. Through the love that we show. Yes, it's good to write books. It's good to read books. It's good to watch all the, it's good to listen to sermons. But at the end of the day, your neighbor will only know that Jesus is real by the love that you show him or her. The person that you don't like at work will only know that Jesus can forgive them through the love that you show and express to them. The only way Lexington and Henderson County will come to a place where all people know the love of God is by us sharing the love of God, expressing the love of God. Amen. Amen. And I love this because ultimately the best teachers lead you to a point of discovery. The best teachers lead us to a point of discovery. I'm going to say it one more time. The best teachers lead us to a point of discovery. That's one of the reasons Jesus spoke in parables. To lead not only the disciples, but even those that would read his words, to lead us to a point of discovery. To get us to that place to where we discover, oh, Lord, you've been here the whole time. You've been here the whole time. Yes, there's nothing wrong with memorizing scripture, but there's something, there's something etched that, etched that happens that when you're in the midst of going through whatever you're going through, and all, all of a sudden you have that point of discovery where you're like, Oh, I, I, I'm not by myself. I'm surrounded by all of heaven. I love it because literally Elijah and Elijah during that whole story, when the army surrounds him and his, you know, his assistant is like, hey, hey, we're being surrounded by all of the armies. What are we going to do? And literally he prays to the father, he says, Lord, let him see what I see. Just paraphrasing. And the Bible says that his spiritual eyes opened. And yes, he saw the physical army that was surrounding the home, but also he saw an army that stretched beyond that he could even measure. A heavenly army surrounding the physical army. What happens when we get a hold of the bigger picture? What happens when we get a hold of the bigger picture? What happens to our anxiety? What happens to our depression? What happens to the fears that we have when we get a hold of the bigger picture? Amen. How we do that is when we come to a place of discovery. I'm going to give you one point and then I'm out your way. One point. One good point. Sound doctrine or right teaching. I even put this in there. Sound doctrine and right teaching will catapult you into spiritual growth by mobilizing you and equipping you to love and serve others. Suffer well. Y'all remember that? Suffer well. That's what love really is. It mobilizes you, equips you to love and serve others, to suffer well, to live mature in your faith in Jesus, and protect you from false teaching. 
a.k.a. the lies and traps of the devil. I love this because if Jesus is your foundation, then sound doctrine or right teaching will catapult you into spiritual growth. Lindsay, how will it catapult me into spiritual growth? Here's how. It will mobilize you and equip you to love and serve others. That's a big thing, first and foremost, to love and serve others. The next is it will catapult you or it will mobilize you and equip you to suffer well. We said it before, but, you know, on Valentine's Day when all, when all the commercials, all the every kiss begins with K. You never see, the, you never see the, the true love commercials. You never see the commercials where the guy goes up to the woman's like, I'm, I'm going to suffer well with you. That doesn't sell. You never see him give the flowers, be like, baby, I'm going to suffer well with you. Could you imagine if your spouse or significant other comes up to you and be like, I am committed to suffer well with you. You're going to what? You're going to what with me? Kelsey be like, you, you ain't going to suffer well with nobody else? You're going, yeah, it's going to be me. <laughs> but when you, when you fully look up agape love, when you fully break it down, it's to, it's to endure not just the highs but the lows as well. But watch this. It's to endure the lows just as good as you would endure the highs. So, therefore, there's no difference. It's just a straight line. It's to suffer well with people. It's not just to suffer with them, but it's to suffer with, hey, what are you going through? I'm, I'm committed to go with it. I'm committed to go with you through whatever you're going through. But guess what? We're going to keep, this, we're going to keep the same energy as if everything is going on fine and dandy. Not that we're going to ignore it, but the same energy that we have when everything is great, we're going to keep that same energy when everything is not so great. But also, you're not going to be in the valley by yourself. I'm going to be with you. That's what real love looks like, suffering well. Somebody say suffer well. I encourage you, if you ain't got a partner, make sure you have somebody that's committed to suffer well with you. Make that one of the requisites. Hey, if you're going to be with me, you got to be committed to suffer well. You got to be committed that if we're in the valley, we're going to trust Jesus uh, just as if we're on the mountaintop. You got to be committed that we are going to place our trust and confidence in Jesus, whether we get a good diagnosis or a bad diagnosis. You got to be committed with me that we're going to put our trust and confidence in Jesus, whether we win the lotto or whether we only got five dollars in the bank account. You got to be committed that we are going to trust Jesus when we have gas in the tank or when we are on E. You got to be committed and have Jesus as your firm foundation when everybody is clapping you up or when you are all by yourself and you hear the crickets outside you have to be committed to if you are going to be with me we are going to suffer well we are going to place our trust and confidence in Jesus no matter what somebody say no matter what So I love this because we are being equipped and mobilized to love and serve others to suffer well and to live mature mature in faith in Jesus. You know how important maturity is? The most expensive wine is never the newest wine. I don't drink wine, but I, 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 I've, you know, just what I've studied, the most expensive wine is never the newest. It's the most mature. It's the wine that is set and had time to, to season, had time to, to get all that stuff, get it right and get it nice. And I mean, we talked about it before, the best meals are what cooked low and slow. And what the work that God does in us, it's a low and slow cooked meal. 
You know, we, was, we, we went by Scott's yesterday, and, and it was the first time I took Kellen in there, and I'm having flashbacks because I remember going in with my mom as a kid, sometimes going in with dad, definitely going in with granny during the random days of the week we're going Scott's. And I'm just having all these flashbacks. But guess what? We passed by the pit because we parked on the side, so we passed by the smoker pit. So I was like, hey, Kellen, you see that right there? That's where they cook all the meat. And I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm trying to look and see, hey, what are they preparing for next week? Because they, they probably already got it on there. Even though they, they've cleaned the pit, but I'm trying to see some of the stuff that they got in the back. What are they preparing for next week? Because we talked about it before, but in order for them to have something for next week, they start today. And what God, the, the, the future that God has for you, it's already in motion. But understand this, a lot of times we get so upset when we don't see it right now. But really, he's doing this low and slow method to where everything is set it in. Everything is getting baked in. Everything is, is, is readjusting and reaffirming. And he says that we are being mobilized and equipped to live mature, to live a mature life. With our faith in Jesus. See, see, maturity in your faith in Jesus looks like that. When everything is going crazy, you are, you are settled. You are stable. When everybody goes crazy, I'm stable. When everybody is screaming, I'm calm. When chaos is arising, I'm in a state of peace. I'm in such a state of peace that it surpasses even my own understanding. When everybody is sad, I have joy that I can't even speak about because I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but there's this joy in me. When everybody has lost hope, I have hope in me because my anchor is in the one that has literally restored me and placed me on a steady, solid rock. That's what maturity in Jesus looks like. That's what our, our, your faith is called to be a mature type of faith, not the kind of faith that goes up. When everything is up and not the kind of faith that goes down when everything is down, but that faith that is just straight, that solid line. I've heard Pastor Craig say it before, but you and I, we are called to live a solid line, a solid line to where that no matter what comes during the mountains and the valleys, we're just Christ is our firm foundation when everything is up and he's our firm foundation when everything is low. Amen. I love this because literally we are being equipped and mobilized to love and serve others, to suffer well, to live mature in your faith in Jesus. And watch this, the last one, and to protect you from false teaching, a.k.a. all the lies and traps of the enemy. That's why we're doing this series, The Body, to see, okay, well, Jesus, you've given us these things. Well, where's your expectations and where's my expectations? Do my expectations look like yours or is there or is there some gray area? Spoiler alert, there is. There's some gray area. And that's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He will help make up the difference. He will help get you to where everything is literally a copy and paste from heaven. The way heaven is, it's copied and pasted into your life. It's pasted into your spirit. It's pasted into your behavior. It's pasted into the way you have patience and exuberates patience and exuberate joy and exuberate compassion to everybody. Amen. We want to get to that space where people say, when people see you coming, oh, here comes Kelsey. She's about to talk to me about the goodness of God again. Here comes Miss Alita. She's about to talk to me about the goodness of God again. We want, it, we want that to be our testimony to where literally when people see you, they know that they are about to, they are about to see the goodness of God. And how awesome would it be if they're going through something and they see, you no, know, here you come popping up. Here you come popping up. 
man, you didn't know how much I needed to see you. What? What's going on? And instantly that channel is open for you to minister, love, serve, and what? Suffer well. Amen? And this is what we are called to do. This is what we are supposed to do. This is what we've been placed in this county to do. Amen? Amen. Watch this, James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, and then I promise we're done. James says in verse 1 in the Passion Translation, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, don't be so eager to become a teacher in the church, since you know that we who teach are held to a higher standard of judgment. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our what? Words. Then James says this, he says, yet if we're able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is, there's that word again, mature and fully developed. I love this because literally James is saying the sign of maturity is you being able to bridle the words that you say. See, that word bridle, what it means is to control. It means to refrain or restrain. And it means to check. You know, a bridle is what they use. You know, if, you, if you've ever watched the Kentucky Derby or if you ever watched a horse race, and as soon as, soon as they fire the gun, I mean, them jokers take out running. And they're going, and the thing that keeps them steady, the thing that keeps them directed towards the prize, the, things that keep, the thing that keeps them from veering off is this little, this small little mouthpiece. These muscular these muscular, beautiful creations of God running, I mean, taking out running, but the very thing that can control them is this small little thing. The apple of God's eye is the person you see in the mirror. I've been working on Cohen with that. It was so cute to hear him say. He said, Cohen, you, Cohen, you the apple daddy's eye. He said, I apple daddy eyes. That's right. But the apple of God's eye, which is the person you see in the mirror, it's you. As great as we are, as smart as you are, the very thing that can control you and keep you from veering off or that can create a whole world of chaos, the Bible says, is our what? Tongue. And literally what we just read, the telltale sign of a mature Christian is how well we are at restraining, checking, and controlling what we say to people or say about people. That, that's the kicker right there, the say about people. We may, we may be good at holding back until we get home and then we just let it fly. Or, you know, okay, okay, you say what you want. And then we hold back and then once the person leaves, we pick up the phone. Do, 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 do. Can you believe what they said? Let me tell you what he said. I know he did it, did it, they don't know how saved I am. You don't sound saved when you're doing that. You don't sound saved when you're, when you're casting down God's creation. Because guess what? The co-worker that we don't like, God created them. The family member that gets on our nerves and refuses to move past their ways, God created them too. The family member that we don't want to see, that we only see one or two times a year at the cookout or family reunion, God created them too. And if he died for them, because of love, then guess what? You were called to love for them the same way that he has loved you, the same way you, he has loved you. The telltale sign of a mature Christian is how well we are, how good we are at restraining, 
checking and controlling what we say to people and get this i've said it before but it's what we say about people how well can you resist the trap of calling someone to talk about someone i remember hearing my pastor years ago talk about how some person came up to him at the end of service and said man i can't believe so-and-so did this to this i didn't know they did that come here and he grabbed their arm and they went and found the other person found that person on the other side of the church said hey he just told me, you did it. I didn't know that was true. And when he turned to look at the person that told him that, they was white as a ghost. Because <laughs> he wanted them to know, one, we're not going to be people of gossip. And if there's something that's being said, let's get to the truth. Let's get to the source. If you're talking about this person, let's go to the source and say, hey, is this what's going on? And if it is, let's pray for you. If it's not, Cut it out. And I remember sitting in the sanctuary like, yo. I looked at Kelsey and said, I don't know if I, don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Woo, that's, that's an instant fight right there. I said, ooh, that, 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 takes some, that takes some sons of thunder kind of energy right there. That's, that's, that's Jesus flipping tables kind of energy. I don't know. I, could, could you imagine yourself? Being, being so full of Jesus to the point that when gossip tried to come your way, you're like, no, 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 that, that has no place here. Let, let's go straight to the source. Could you imagine being the type of person that if somebody called you to gossip, like, hey, no, 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 that's, you're not sounding like Jesus right now. If, if, this, if that's something that bothers you, call that person. Hey, hey, this, this activity isn't Christ-like. It doesn't look like Jesus. And we're supposed to be looking like Jesus. We're supposed to be sounding like Jesus. We're supposed to have his kind of empathy. We're supposed to be expressing his kind of patience. Well, Lindsay, that's a little bit extreme. No, it's not because James literally said mature people, mature people are able to bridle their tongue, are able to control their actions, are able to control their reactions. The mature people that love Jesus walk around in life with invisible bridles. The mature people of God not only are led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, which is Romans 8 and Ephesians 1. We've talked about this before. But the mature people of Jesus walk around with these invisible bridles. We talked about it before where we said, hey, you got to swipe past all those bad thoughts. You, you have a bad, I got, no, that's, that's wrong thought. No, no, until the right one comes. All right, all right. That's what I'm going to focus on. Well, Lindsay, that's a little immature. That's a little silly. The Bible says, James says that that's the type of life you are called to live. That when the devil tries to come in like a flood, the only way the Holy Spirit's going to be able to raise a standard and that standard remain is if you're not giving in to the tricks and traps of the enemy. If you're not surrendering to your flesh. Because the Holy Spirit, yes, the Holy Spirit is all powerful, but if you're just going to give Give the enemy what he wants. What's the, what's, the Holy, what's the point of the Holy Spirit raising up a standard and blocking the flood? We cannot give in to our flesh. We cannot give in to our emotions. Amen? Amen. I've said it before, but the deepest truth you'll ever, you'll ever hear, your emotions, they are seasonal. Not even seasonal. Your emotions can be altered by food. They can be altered by caffeine. They could be altered by a song. They could be altered by a smile. They could be altered by a frown. They could be altered by a smell. 
and all those things are constantly going on. So therefore, you should not be putting stock in your emotions. Your emotions do not need to be your firm foundation. It's not a firm foundation. It's like building a house on sand. It will not stand. But if you build your house on the chief cornerstone, if you place all your trust and confidence on Jesus, in Jesus, Lindsay, what does placing my trust and confidence in Jesus look like? It looks like every decision before you decide, you're like, okay, Lord. And when I say every decision, I'm not talking about, Lord, do I wear pants or a skirt? No. I'm not talking about those kind of decisions. I'm talking about the kind of words, hey, Lord, I really need this to go on in my life. Lord, do I, do I, seek, do I, do I seek assistance from somebody else or, or what, what do I do? Those kind of decisions. Lord, 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 it feels like everybody has left me. God, can I give a testimony real quick? Last week, I asked and then I gave it anyway. But last week, I remember just a lot of stuff had unfolded. And I remember being in the garage at the house. Nobody else was there. And I remember just looking up to the sky. I had to put my hand right there because the sun was super bright. I said, Lord, I just feel like everybody is forsaking me. I feel like I am forgotten. I feel like I'm forgotten. And the next day, I get this, I get this text message, this long text message from somebody I hadn't heard from in a while. Thanking me for being in their life. And I'm like, so I called him up. I was like, what are you talking about? Because in my mind, on, in Lindsay's respect, we ain't talked in months. What are you talking about being in? I want, the flesh would be like, you want to think, where you been at in my life? I got this going on. Where you been at? And he begins to thank me and, and begins to pray and all these different things on the phone with me just talking about, I keep thinking about the last few things you've told me. And then, you know, me trying to be super smooth, I'm like, yeah, man, remind me what that was. What did I tell you? Because I'm like, I don't remember. And when he told me, I was like, Lord, that had to have been you because I got no recollection. And the next day, had it happen again. The next day, had it happen again. And I'm like, Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. God is that good to the point that he sees you even when you are deep in your flesh. To remind you that, hey, what you're feeling, what you're surrounded, what you're experiencing, it's not real. Hey, you're, you're, what, you got, what you got going on, it's right here. But guess what? Where I am and where, you, where I'm trying to bring you, it's right here. And I, I've already got a plan to bring you up. I've already got a plan in motion to bring you higher. I've already got a plan in motion to reconcile everything that needs to be reconciled. I've already got a plan in motion to restore those that need to be restored. I've already got a plan in motion to resurrect everything that has already died off in your life. I have a plan in motion. Why? Because I am a good God. I I am the good father. We said it last week. I am the good shepherd that stands at the gate and protects you from every wolf that tries to enter into your life. I am the good shepherd that leads you beside the still waters. I am the good shepherd that calms your soul. I am the good shepherd that will set you at the table in the presence of your enemies, but you will be eaten right beside me. I am the good shepherd that gives you my rod and my staff and uses my protection to protect you from 
everything spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. I am the good shepherd that will not leave you nor forsake you. I am the good shepherd that intercedes for you on the daily. I'm the good shepherd that gives you new mercy every day. 12 o'clock a.m. new mercy. 12 o'clock the next day new mercy. 12 o'clock next week new mercy. I am the good shepherd that has you in my mind. He is involved in our lives. So why not us get involved with what he's trying to do in, watch this, in this county, in this town, on your job. You know, he's got a plan for those people on your job. He's got a plan for the school that your kids go to. He's got a plan for Walmart in this town. He's got a plan for food. He's got a plan. Not that he creates is without a plan. And he is so kind. He is so kind to involve us in that. So when you feel lost in the sauce, when you feel like you're spiraling, look up and say, okay, Lord, remind me of your plan. Lord, remind me of your plan. Lord, lead me. Lord, teach me. You are Holy Spirit. You're the great teacher. Holy Spirit, teach me. Lead me to that point of discovery. Lead me to that point of rediscovery. Lead me to that point of rediscovery, Lord. Remind me of what you're doing in my life. Remind me. Remind me. Remind me. Remind me. Lord, lead me to a path, a path of righteousness for your name's sake. Help me to focus on you to where I have perfect peace. Lord, give me the grace to keep my mind stayed upon you. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, thank you so much.